Hello, you're listening to the Talkie Spirit Anime Cast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here with Chris. Yo. Today's episode is our first part of our winter 2019 anime season review. We got a pile of oh, eight shows to go through, uh, two of them being short, so, well, kind of mid-short, so those little weird ones are like 10 to 15 minutes long, <laughs> so like in the middle area. Uh, but yes, we're going to go through The Price of Smiles, The Promised Neverland, Domestic Girlfriend, Kimura Boogie Pop and Others, Mysteria Friends, Miss Ueno, or How Clumsy You Are, Miss Ueno, and Run With The Wind. Yes, we're from otakuspirit.com. You can go there for anime new and old. Great can be in the form links at the top. Social media links on the right side. And all that good stuff. But yes, are you ready to get Are you ready to get winter behind us? Well, I was I was going to say, am I ready to to do this? But uh, yeah, I, I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm guessing you're like, it. well, first I need to get done for the winter. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't. I did. This is more you than me on on this one. So yeah, I didn't want, didn't want to scare him too much with the with the list on the first episode. So I was yeah. like, oh, well, I'll, uh, I had I'll, a rough week. I wasn't able to catch up this week. Well, so. I, was, I was afraid Boogie Pop wasn't going to end for some reason. I wasn't calculating it right or something. I don't know what that was, but I was like, I need to bring. I don't know, Watch to 10 over here or something like that. He's like, but I don't want to watch Watch to 10. I'm like, you really need to watch Watch to 10 because it has like an amazing last episode. So I, I just pulled the, the the shorts over here. So yeah, I'm, Those I'm, I'm nearly done with Day Day Live 3 and Watch to 10 will probably be my next one. So we'll have there. a review this season yes. that Andrew will not be talking, <laughs> even though he'll probably still be talking. I'll try to do a synopsis. <laughs> Down it. That is one that I, I still need to get caught up on. I, I think I got like, Eight episodes in the first season, or something. I thought like that. you got into the second season. No, I, I think I don't know. I I don't remember. It was. Did a you long get the twins? Ago. No, I don't think so. I think I just got into the whole crazy Yandere girl, and I was like, "Wow, everybody likes this girl." So you're about to get you're gonna you're about to get the sister reveal, and and <laughs> yeah, you kept uh, talking about the sister reveal, and I never got to that. So, so there you yeah. go. Yeah, you're right about you're right about the end of the first season. One of these days. I'll just have to buy it on Blu-ray, and then I'll actually watch it. Yeah. yeah. That'll work. Sounds like that'll, a plan. That's always how it works. Mm-hmm. Anywho, uh, did you notice the thing on the wall? Which one? There's a thing on the wall that wasn't there before. I hate you. <laughs> yeah, I noticed it really quick once, once I look up, so I was yeah, afraid. I, hate I was you. afraid he'd never notice it, or I was afraid he'd notice it before the podcast, but yes, I got a, I got a no game, no life, Shiro. Not actually, technically, Shiro is the girl from Zero. So. From Zero, yeah. Yeah. The other, there's two, there's like that one, another one that's actually wallable, and the other three are like, yeah, <laughs> not sure if this is, is, is this safe well, for wall? Yeah, it's like <laughs> some of my, some of the figures that I really want, I was like, uh, mm, yeah. yeah, that's questionable. People, well, that's like I said, like the Oh My Goddess one is like, that one's like borderline. Somebody comes in, they're going to question, is, is that rock? And just don't look at it. Don't look at the rocket. <laughs> don't look at the rocket. <laughs> don't look at the rocket. <laughs> Anywho, I, I just thought I'd point that out because I, th- I I went through the efforts of actually, I, I'll, I need to get another frame to put that in, but I'll let you look at the other ones. We'll, we'll see. It's pretty. I like it. It's, it the colors are magnificent. It, it's basically the posters that they sell from Sentai Filmworks. They're, I got the ones for uh, Made in Abyss and they're just the colors. The prints are beautiful. So if you can get a chance to buy them I think they're like 20 bucks 25 bucks for a, a set of like four to five of them so i i really recommend them because the the print quality is is fantastic so don't know why i slipped that in there just random anywho let's jump into this because we have a lot to go through and there's a lot of heavy hitters in this one so i'm a little bit afraid of how the other two podcast episodes are going to go because they're kind of more 
Uh, it's just a lot of the good ones finished in the first week, and I wanted to get a kickstart into this stuff because we have some possible plans coming in the future that I want to get around to what we need to get to the reviews there. So, so it should be a three-parter. If if I slack, like, majorly, it might turn into a one-parter or two-parter. So I, hopefully we'll get through some other ones to get the whole three parts going. So, yes, kick things off. We have The Price of Smiles. This one is uh, Egao no Daika. This one it was streaming on Crunchyroll for 12 episodes, done by Studio Tatsunoko Productions. This was a part of their 55th anniversary celebration. Uh, it is an original series made by them. These genres are military slice-of-life drama and fantasy. And uh, this one follows uh, a girl named... It's basically split into two different stories it's telling. Both of them... The entire story is on this kind of distant planet from Earth. Mankind is kind of there... Uh, there's two different kingdoms that we're kind of focused on, one being the uh, Grandiga and the other side being the kingdom of Soleil or something like that. It's very hard to pronounce. Uh, but anyways, uh, in the kingdom of Soleil, we follow Yuki and she is a princess who has just reached the age of 12 and they're having this big celebration in her kingdom. The other side of the field, of course, like I said, is, is following the other kingdom, which is Grandica, and it mostly focuses on Stella, who is a 17-year-old soldier, part of the Imperial Army for that particular side. At some point, uh, we kind of follow Yuki for the majority of the first uh, few ep- uh, couple episodes, and you kind of get this idea that she's this very sheltered princess. She's just full of life. She's very happy. Uh, she's constantly told that they are at peace. All these surrounding kingdoms are all at peace. Everything is fine and dandy. Uh, but, of course, you kind of get the little hints that mm, things aren't really all that peaceful, and she's actually just being sheltered from what is actually happening. Uh, while they're telling her that everything is peaceful, they go off to, quote-unquote, you know, have talks with the other side, but it's actually, you know, military skirmishes. And uh, it doesn't come to her attention that this is happening until an incident happens with um, one of her uh, subordinates who gets harmed in this particular skirmish that happens in the early uh, first few episodes. And like I said, it'll jump back over to the other side, which will watch Stella, and she's a part of this entire squadron that's led by Gale, and they go out on different missions to kind of tackle resources and take over different locations from the uh, Kingdom of Salil. So, yeah, <laughs> this is the show that, uh, of course, like with most shows that I uh, see that are called original, I immediately jump onto. I love watching these studios kind of get their original takes on different storytelling. It's stuff that has no source materials. There's no n- idea of if it's going to pan out or not. Uh, but you do know that there's some kind of effort behind the studio to do something that is kind of, that's going to set them out as a, you know, this is going to set them aside from everybody else. This is a story they're going to tell that doesn't have a source material. It's something they feel passionate to do. And so I jumped on this one particularly. Now, the weird thing this one has, this, this has that syndrome problem that a lot of series like Princess Principle, Release the Spice has, where you have this very Moe-type startup, and everybody's going, man, this show is just straight-up cutesy, and it's it's bubbly, And then it kind of has this switchover where it goes, no, things aren't bubbly, and things aren't peachy, and things aren't all moe. And so this one kind of falls in that area where it almost like it sells itself from the beginning that it's going to be this fun and bubbly show about smiles, and smiles is going to overcome everything, but it doesn't. 
And so the picture that you get from the first few episodes is like, this isn't what you sold me. So it is, it's one of those shows that's hard to sell to people who are looking for a very kind of grim war story because it opens up so bubbly and, and cutesy. I mean, it literally opens up with Yuki walking out on the stage. The entire kingdom's out there. They have glow sticks. And <laughs> she stumbles and does a cute little roll and, and, and lands the finish on this, this, this save of her falling over. And everybody's cheering for her, and she's all cutesy. She has pigtails. She's all adorable. And then literally within a couple episodes, you're going, holy crap, this person is, you know, danger or dead or whatever like that. And and it completely shifts the tone completely. And it never technically got back to that bubbly side. And that's a hard sell for people. Hey, watch this show. It's very serious. Or people that are like, oh, crap, this character's cute. I want to watch this show. This isn't cute. <laughs> So it is. It's a hard sell in that regard. Putting that aside, the show itself overall, uh, it is a very military, political based show. Uh, I think the the biggest kind of emphasis it has on it, even though it, that is the the focus of the overall story, is the focus on how these characters respond to the war itself. Nobody likes war, and that is a, a ongoing theme throughout the entire thing. Where you have nobody really wants this to happen. But everybody's kind of stuck in the momentum of the war. Uh, Yuki herself goes through s- just fantastic character development for the entire series. I think if you can, if you wanted to set me off the side and say, what was the main core reason why this show is great? I would say Yuki. Yes, again, she, it opens the show that she is this very bubbly character, uh, but she matures and she grows as a character throughout the entire series. Uh, it kind of painted it early on that she would be like this genius strategic uh, person, but that never really was the case. When it came to her actually trying to say, no, I am the princess and you're going to do this, it didn't pan out. People die. And that was a, like, wow, you actually did that kind of moment. And what was really fascinating is that even though when I seen this happening, I was like, please don't make this one of those things where, snap, she's suddenly, you know, amazing leader. She it, she believably grows over time, makes tons of mistakes, and yet still stands as a very strong character. Even though on the side, every time somebody dies, she's broken, and she's, she's stuck with this turmoil of somebody dying. That was what really sold me on the show, was Yuki. I thought she was a fantastic character. And everybody that surrounded her were fantastic. Uh, Layla, her backstory was was very surprising, and I loved it to death. That was probably the single greatest episode of the series. Izana, one of her other subordinates, was he had a, a fantastic point in his story that he was on the, the basically behind the enemy lines, and he did some fantastic stuff. The kind of, not so much negative I have for the series, but more so the the only thing that kind of bogs it down, like takes it down a level and goes okay, and this is kind of normal, was the other side of the of the, the battle, which was the uh, Grandiga Imperial Army focus with Stella. Stella was an okay character, but she was kind of, her, that side of the battlefield was kind of bogged down by the fact that everybody that surrounded her weren't really interesting. I mean, Gale was probably the only uh, set-aside character that would say he had a pretty cool side to him, but everybody else, it was kind of like... I don't really care about these characters. And 
he would kind of jump back over to Yuki and it's like, well, here's this really fantastic character and time to cry. And then we'd go back to Stella and go, okay, they're doing some more guerrilla warfare and then back to Stella, uh, Yuki. And you see, see, that was the only thing that I really have a problem with was that while I wasn't bored with Stella's side of the story, Yuki's side of the story was basically overshadowing it, like saying, I want to go back to Yuki. I really want to know what's happening over there. This isn't as interesting as what's happening with Yuki. So that would be probably its only kind of downside. Uh, everything else outside of that, the CGI mechas, I was a little bit... I, I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's a given now. If, if there's a mecha going to be in the show, it's going to be CGI. Uh, thankfully, this CGI mecha blended well with the overall show's aesthetic. So it worked decently well. The only downsides to the animation itself would probably be the character designs. Towards the later half, there were several points where proportions and stuff were a little bit off-putting. Nothing to kill the show, but it was still one of those things where it's like, I notice it and go, the proportion there's a little weird, but okay, we'll go with it and kind of move on sort of situation. Because it was a, it was a very good-looking show starting out, and it just seems like they... They cut corners towards a later part, but that it, like I said, it didn't kill the show for me. It was just one of those Andrew likes to point out wonky character designs issues, so most people probably wouldn't even notice it. But yeah, I would say that the ending was not really original, but it was it was told in a way that was really well done. I'll just say that it, it is one of those kind of things where when it got to that particular point, I like the backstory that t- technically triggers the ending and how they find a resolve in that. But it was one of those things where, because I wasn't expecting a really cool backstory to kind of tie into how things can conclude. And it, that was what really surprised me. And that was definitely kind of tied in with uh, Layla's story, which was, again, probably the most awesomest episode in the entire series. But it was one of those endings where it's like, yeah, I can kind of see where this would go. I had my thoughts on what could happen to characters at the very end of it. And I was kind of like dreading that. But it was one of those things where when it got to the conclusion, I was like, you did that really good. Like, I, it wasn't original, but it was really well done. So, <laughs> take that for what it is. Fantastic music. I'm a sucker for violin, and there was a lot of music that had violin in it. They did really well in kind of uh, putting along with the combat scenes, with the emotional scenes, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I guess the big... the Even though I'm kind of building this up, and Chris is like... Man, that sounds good. You probably thinking that I sounds have really gone good. Back and forth but, so many times, it's not even funny. But, but it's one of those ones where I'm <laughs> you're like, you've, you've like, you, I, you had me like, okay, I am so glad I, I skipped out on. It. Holy crap! I want to watch this show right now. Let's stop the pot. No, this is the worst show ever. It's a trap. And then <laughs> <laughs> that my my comment to you would be, it's a trap. Because it, like I said, it, it's one of those ones where the entire time, yeah, I was thinking, you know, I'm really liking how they're doing Yuki. And I know that Chris is going to love her as a character. But is he going to like what's happening around her and to her? Because mm. I know that Chris is not a, from what I get, gather, it's, it's kind of one of those shows that's, it does have technically a lot of political and military strategy happening. And it's like, I don't know that not that Chris doesn't like those kind of things. Just, I don't think that's his bag. And then when you mix in these tragic happenings that are happening and it's like, well, he really doesn't like those kind of things. So I guess I can't really suggest it. So it's, it's, it's weird thing. It's like drama. I love, but it it depends on how much I, 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 I guess really what it is, is how much of a torturing of a, of characters, 
I I just get turned off to us at a certain point. It's like, it's not torture. It's it's yeah. sorrow. Sorrow. So yeah. I guess that's the thing. Yeah. If if it if it's if it's drawn out too much, I I just it, it starts. I start shutting down on it, and it that's my thing. I guess it kind of sets the tone pretty quickly too. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I. It's definitely one of those originals that I'm happy I got stuck with it. I did get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Um, it's not perfect by any means. There's, there's a, like I said, the, the episodes with Stella's team, a lot of them were, they were cool action scenes. They were cool little kind of guerrilla warfare, but the characters I didn't really care at all about. So that was the big struggle I had with that side. But like I said, Yuki's side was what kind of held the entire series up and made it really enjoyable, enjoyable for me. So, uh, yeah, if any of that sounds interesting to you, definitely... Definitely check it out. I would I would suggest in that regard then. So um long live Leia. Layla. She was she was fantastic. So Promise Neverland. I don't know why I ordered these in the order that I would be talking too much, but I don't think I put much thought into how it's ordered. Uh The Promise Neverland or Yokusoku no Neverland. This one was streaming on Crunchyroll and High Dive. Uh that ran for twelve episodes. It already has a season two announced for twenty twenty, so yay. Uh, done by Studio Cloverworks, the source is a manga. The genres are sci-fi, mystery, horror, sh- shonen, and this is from the Noitamina block, of course. Gotta mention that. Uh, the director that worked on it was Mamoru uh, Kanbe, who did Elfin Lead and Sora Nawoto. Uh, the series composition was done by Toshiya Ono, who did Gutchman Crowds, Gutchman Crowds Insight, Perfect Insider, and Land of Lustrous. And uh, this one takes place in the Gracefield House, which is a little home for children that is all kind of being taken care of by who they call their mama who is called uh, Isabella and mama takes care of all these children and then at some point uh, they will get adopted out and she will take them out and they kind of just have fun while they're still there until hopefully they can get adopted Uh, main focus is on Emma she's one of these children in this orphanage and along with Norman and Ray they're kind of best friends, and they have kind of the highest scores within the... Because they kind of train them and keep them studied, and they get the best scores in the class. They're very athletic, have a lot of fun together. Um, this is... I should have thought about if I wanted to get into this for the show. I'll just say at some point, something is revealed to these children that is kind of happening outside of um, their safety within the home. And... The discovery of this happening that is happening outside kind of, you know, strikes fear in them. And they're trying to figure out how they can avoid that particular discovery. And um, thus begins this kind of the story about these characters kind of trying to train themselves, study what's happening around them, learn to overcome an adversary of some sort, and eventually rescue escape the members the of the... Escape the orphanage. Escape the orphanage, because <laughs> there is some kind of danger that is uh, involved with it, so... Yeah, I, I guess I'll leave it at that. I, I definitely recommend people jump into the first episode at least and get it out of your way. I, I, I don't really, I can't really talk too much about the show without kind of getting into certain things that you can insinuate from me. So if you are really afraid of spoilers, I would definitely suggest at least watching the first episode because, like I said, I can't really explain too much. I will be vague about it, but I can't explain too much about why I love this show unless I kind of elude to things. So I'll just say that. Uh, so very soft spoilers uh, going forward. Yeah, I I really really love this show. Um, this is exactly where anime gets or Japanese animation gets uh, horror, suspense, and uh, intrigue. Perfect. They're, everything about this show, it did those things in spades. 
the characters, their distrust for things, uh, you know, their suspicions of others, and the paranoia that that kind of creates was all done perfectly. The directing was just top notch. Uh, it it cause it does really well and kind of the scene for scene was was excellent, but the way they kind of portrayed each scene uh, portrayed each scene. This, I don't know if it's in the manga, but the guy seems to have a real fascination with clocks. You can see it in the the visual art for it. Uh, every few shots will have kind of the the perspective kind of going back and forth, just like a clock would be. All these kind of different angles they take is really obsessed with time. It, it was that was one of those kind of little added things in there that kind of made it really fascinating. The perspective of each shot was really well placed. It wasn't just plain shots of characters. Often it was kind of a shot through between books or down a hall, uh, kind of giving that continued sense of isolation or suspicion that somebody could be watching. Always. There's always this kind of sense that somebody could be watching, could be listening or something like that. And I like that portrayal because it constantly made me think, is somebody listening to this? Are they going to get found out? And that was one of those things that added that extra bit of suspense through the entire series. Love the characters. Emma was very fun. She was very, had her heart just always out there at everybody else. Uh, Norman was very, very brilliant and a genius. Uh, Ray was kind of one of those very un- misunderstood kind of characters, very pr- protective in a sense. And this, this is what's funny because it is one of those shows when they finally kind of get an idea of who the villain is. The villain is very upfront. You feel like, I don't like this villain. But slowly over time, you kind of get a sense of like, and this is one of those genius moments where you're like, this is a perfectly written villain. Because at some point, I said to myself, this villain, if I was in this villain's shoes, I would do the same thing. Like, there's no reason for me to criticize this villain. And when somebody, when a show, when a story makes you do that, you go, this is a perfect villain. If a villain does something that is technically villainous, but you agree with it, that's a perfect villain, <laughs> in a sense. Uh, because it's something that you can't see flaws in it. It doesn't feel... You don't disconnect yourself from that villain and go, well, they're just evil because they're evil. No, you go, holy crap. I I can actually... I, this could be me, <laughs> kind of, in a sense. And that's what's really well done on it. So, um, very great characters, like I said. Uh my shout out to Phil. Phil was absolutely adorable. My gosh, that that scene where he's like, "No, nah, Emma." <laughs> uh, every episode, I was constantly uh, seeing what's happening with the game of Cam- Cat and Mouse. Was excited to see what comes up next. What's going to be revealed next? It has a really cool sense of uh, forebodingness, like this forebodingness of like what's around the next corner, what's beyond this wall, what's over here. How can they get over to here? What's the next step? All that kind of stuff is is really well laid out. The other really great thing about how they tell the story is that they... Uh, it was about three times, I would say. So it's not like it's overplayed. But uh, even though it, it may seem like it's been done too much, the way they do it... They, the way they pulled it off every single time is like pure gold. Where they have these moments where you're kind of going down this path. And at some point, you're like, this isn't going well. And then they kind of flip things. And then they go, well, no, this was actually the plan all along. And they kind of show how everything got to that point. And you go, okay, cool. I can see that happening. And that was really well revealed. 
And it, it does that several times, especially with like the last episode. And every single time I was uh, thoroughly impressed. It was one of those things where it kind of just, it, it pulls the, 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 the rug out from underneath you and says, no, this is actually really cool. Check this out. Uh, that said, the final episode was fantastic. I, I really enjoyed it I, enough that I had to jump on Twitter and say this is a great last episode. It kind of put another cherry on top with the villain that I really, really loved. I kind of loved that sense of the entire episode. I was literally, my gut was wrenching. I was like, please make this. Please make this. Please, please go, 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 go kind of thing. I was, I was, I was rooting them on the entire time. And that is something that very rarely happens with anime. And it had me at the edge of my seat the entire episode. I was fully invested in what was going to happen. That said, it was a decent enough conclusion for the season. Even if they didn't have the second season announced for 2020, I would probably still be like, this is a fantastic show. Definitely watch it. Uh, yes, there is a lot more they can get into. There's definitely theories that I have for what happens to certain certain characters. But I will keep them under wraps now that they know there is a second season. Hopefully we can eventually get into what happened with those particular characters. So really fantastic. I, I absolutely loved it. I, I think the only negative I would give it is it took a while for me to get into the character designs. Uh, they were very off-putting. Even from the PV, it was off-putting. Uh, it was off-putting from the very beginning. But what was great about the first episode was that I quickly forgot about it because it was a it was a fantastic first episode. And uh, it just grabs you and pulls you right into the story from that first episode you can definitely check out the first episode and you'll know if you're going to be into it or not. Uh, the other negative I would give it for in the, in the sense of the character designs is they do the derpy faces and I've never liked the derpy faces with, uh, with horror, but they did it having Norma give like this really creepy looking face at somebody else to kind of intimidate them. I was like, Oh my gosh, really? Are we doing the derpy weird looking faces? I never care for those, but it was enough to ruin it for me uh, because everything else about it was fantastic. The music was fantastic. The directing was fantastic. Um, the visual design was fantastic. The storytelling was fantastic. The intrigue, the horror, everything just was really well done. I was looking forward to every single episode, waiting to see what's going to happen next with it. So if you're looking for a horror suspense-filled anime series, it's definitely one of those ones I'm going to probably put in my list for, for that particular genre going forward because I want more of it. So yeah, definitely, uh, definitely, uh, definitely a solid one. So check it out. If any of that sounds, uh, interesting to you. Kai. Yep. Kai. Yep. 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 So yeah, that was the, the promised Neverland moving forward. We have a show that Chris can talk about. <laughs> so Andrew can take a drink. <laughs> this one is domestic girlfriend or domestic, not Kado- uh, domestic, not Kanojo. This one streamed on Crunchyroll and High Dive. Streamed for 12 episodes. The studio is Dio Media. The source is a manga. The genres are drama, romance, school, shonen. And hopefully after we record this review and send it out there, they will announce the second season so that somebody can reply to us and say, there's a second season, dude. Uh, because this is one that seriously needs a second season or right? something. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this one is... This one follows Natsuo. And he's in high school, I believe, right? They're in high school. Either yes. that or yeah, probably high school. I know they're not in college. Uh, they're in yeah, high school because they wouldn't wouldn't have an issue with the probably. love interest. Yeah, probably <laughs> uh, because I think they said at some point somebody else that was affiliated with with Hina went off to college. Uh, went off to 
be in a college or that they just no no, no. anyways I, I, i'm mixed up now anyways <laughs> it follows a, a high schooler named natsuo uh early on the first episode you find that he is um sleeping with a girl that he met in kind of a, a, a group gathering at a i think it was at a um it was a mixer a mixer little karaoke, karaoke or something like bar. that uh they decide to ditch everybody else and go off and and um have sex together and afterwards they kind of just split up and that was kind of the end of it um, we also find that Natsuo really, really loves his teacher, whose name is Hina, and has a huge crush on her, but she's, of course, a teacher, so she's constantly distancing herself from him. Um, he often sees her cry and wants to kind of help her, but she kind of just brushes him off. And yeah, after, you know, because anime, uh, <laughs> it comes home one day and his, his dad says, hey, I'm remarrying because he's, he lost his mother. And his dad's remarrying to somebody who apparently no longer is with his, her husband, so... You know, two 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 broken marriages coming together, kind of thing. Another, by the way, uh, the the his new wife is has two daughters, and oh, by the way, because anime, they're both the girl that you slept with and <laughs> your teacher. <laughs> so fun, happy uh, love triangle. Because this home. is not a setup for an anime <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. So uh, now that we got that all of the way, and and we acknowledge the fact that it is so anime, let's let's get into what it's, it involves. Uh, it's basically Trainwreck the anime. So every episode, uh, he is struggling between the fact that he slept with some girl and he's now in the home together with her, and there's this girl he really badly wants to sleep with, who is his teacher, who now is in the same home with him and is drunk on a bed or a, a couch, and he really wants to get with her. And <laughs> throwing girl who is broken in some way and feels that she has to fill in that emptiness with sex and <laughs> you have a show that is a, a a train wreck uh yeah this one um so what's what's let's let's let you jump in there what is, what is your thoughts of, of domestic girlfriend i i i i really really like this this show i'm I, I agree there was a lot of train wrecks going all over the place. It was it was absolutely constantly going, why can't you say what you want to say? Just get it out of there. Get it out. Just do it. <laughs> because you have to write it. Yeah, that's true. Um, but there's there's constant, uh, a, 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 just a ton of stream of drama beats constantly through this. And I really, really enjoyed a lot of the resolutions of them. It, it felt really down to earth in a lot of their situations. Sometimes um, it, it almost felt, I, yes, there, it was contrived, but still felt very, very true to, true to the heart. Um, when, when Natsuo was frustrated with this situation or that situation, you really did kind of feel that, yeah, I could understand your frustration there. And and I think that made it more more believable than a lot of the situations that y- you end up in uh, with anime. That's that's the struggle I really have. It's like you want to hate Natsuo because he does a lot of really stupid stuff and he's kind I of I hate Natsuo just on g- pure uh general concept. Because he doesn't immediately pick blue hair. Girl. I know <laughs> I know where you're going. I mean, it, the moment that Ruby popped up on the scene, I'm like Oh, this show for him is going to depend on if he if he gets with Rui in the end or not. <laughs> uh, not to say that he got with Rui. Um, it like I said, it's technically not even over and probably wouldn't be over for another three seasons. But um, I guess that's my first real big negative is nothing really comes to a full on conclusion and the the issues are really up in the air still. So that's that's it's it is a show was... that I almost want to say unless you're going to jump into the manga afterwards or unless the second season gets announced. 
I can't really recommend it in that in that regard. I I have to agree to a certain point. I I think that it it did come to a chapter close, but it was a very open chapter close. It, it I don't know how to better explain it than that. It's like cliffhanger chapter close. Like I would really kind of want to see what's going to happen next. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> too many too many things are on, left unsaid. And yeah, granted, it, it comes it comes to a story beat conclusion. Like this is a point of his life that you can kind of take a moment to kind of breathe um and that's definitely where it's laid off but no what, what i mean is i don't i want every episode you want to say you idiot not so well oh you <laughs> idiot not so well but it's also one of those things where he never really feels like he is technically a bad person and that's i guess something to give him credit for in a show that basically involves the hearts of you know several girls um he he's not it's not like he's going out of his way to really kind of ruin things and he does technically have a focus that he does keep to and he is given opportunities to take advantage of people and he doesn't and that is that is a definitely a credit i would give him uh that said this show it is just to, to, to drag out the joke it is technically like i said it is a train wreck that you want to watch uh it is a car wreck that you kind of drive by and you kind of like should i look kind of thing it is one of those kind of shows, and it was a lot of fun in that regard for the first, I would say probably, I want to say two-thirds, but I, I kind of fight with me. I want to say that after the the halfway point, I was kind of starting, the, the high was going down. Um, but I want to say at least the two-thirds, maybe a half of the show. I was having a lot of fun with, like, going, what car are you going to hit next like who who's going to be on the sidewalk you're going to bump into next like literally how much can you screw up and that was fun in that regard it was very dramatic it was very it was very much a i don't want to say mature because i don't i don't think necessarily because sex equal mature um but it, it does it, it does involve more mature things than you would get from a standard school show and so yeah i guess you can give it credit for that um but i would say that probably after that first half maybe the two-thirds it got really boring, and I was like, mm, we're, we're, it almost felt like it, it got comfortable, and it stayed there, and everybody was kind of just sticking with what was what situation they were in, and it wasn't until, like, the very end of it's, the 11th it, episode, they finally go, here, let's throw another car into the mix, boom, it was, hit it. it. Was, it I, I, I agree, there's there's something to, I'm, I, I, I don't, I... I didn't want to lose my thought and I know I was interrupting. You just thought. ruin my thought usually whenever you do <laughs> there that. There was something to the, the, a, a certain resolution that happens in a certain point. And th this is the, the same, same. I almost feel the exact same way as Andrew. It is frustrating because it was kind of a resolution. And at the same time, it, it, it did kind of kill the show for a little while. And then when they pull it right back out, it's, literally towards the end of the show and it's like wait that you can't you can't do this and expect us to be happy at the end i mean it almost felt like here's the manga bait <laughs> like, yeah oh by the way things aren't going to be concluded but no my point is that that end of that yeah very pretty much very very end of it they throw into the car into the car wreck and he slams in that one and that was the conclusion so it was like Car wreck, car wreck, car wreck, car wreck. Everybody's kind of getting out of the car and everybody's kind of chilling and, and having a drink. And then car wreck <laughs> at the very end. Oh, by the way, manga bait. Uh, the, the last car has manga bait written on the side of it. And that was that was the struggle I had was that at some point it just got really 
And I hate to say that it got boring because that's entailing the fact that there's not these terrible things happening between these people that's causing all this heavy drama. There was a point in which the drama kind of, you know, let out. And it was, again, there was still things happening. A particular character was not happy with the situation. Well, several characters weren't happy with the situation. (laughs) But it it was mellow. And it took that very ending point for it to kind of pull it back in. Uh, it is, like I said, it, the, the nice thing about the entire series is that it does have these kind of things that it's hitting on. It's hitting on uh, the forbidden relationships, of course, because they are now siblings and they have feelings for each other. Uh, just one night flings and how that kind of have, has its effects on you if you kind of have to stick around these people. Uh, like I said earlier, having a character has emptiness and trying to fill that emptiness. Um, but that would be kind of the thing that bringing up the emptiness and trying to filling a thing. Uh, that would be my other negative that I have for the series, that you have quite a... It it seems like it wanted to focus on this triangle. And everybody outside of that triangle, just they they pop in for like a half an episode, and they would just be side characters that would pop in to say hi every now and then. They didn't really feel like they have any worth once that was... Like, Mum was a prime example. She had a very, you know, solid episode, which, like I said, kind of reveals Natsuo and his his ability to kind of overcome taking advantage of somebody. Um, and then she was never there. <laughs> we bring in this Alex guy who has the worst broken, Engl- uh, broken English, yet he's supposed to be a foreigner who has perfect Japanese. And he's like, okay, now he's side character. Fumiya pops up in the first few episodes. I hate his character. He's ruining the drama of the show. And then he disappears for several episodes before he pops up again. There's all these side characters that really have no significance, but they give them light for a period of time. It doesn't make any sense why they're even there, um, except for Masaki because he's best. Boy. He's like awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Besides the badass ex Yakuza guy, <laughs> he was really cool in the end. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm very mixed on this show. I really don't know what I think in the end. I, I like I said, I, it's hard to recommend just because it has no ending. It feels very manga bait. Um, if it gets a second season, I will. I will, you know, readjust my thoughts when we get into the second part of it. Um, but as it stands now, it was a fun train wreck for the first part of it. Like I said, it didn't really have much substance in the second part of it. And it's very manga baity, so it's it's very hard for me. Like I enjoyed when it was hitting the train wreck points, and that was kind of... It, it's well, it's one of those ones where I feel dirty for the points that I like were technically parts that were characters were really being stupid and screwing up, and then I have nothing else to say about it, and that's that's what the struggling thing is. I, I felt nothing in the end, and it has amazing opening, and that's about all I can say. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I I can't I can't say if I recommend or not. So I'll just leave it at that. I'll give you a cross range conclusion. Ow! <laughs> my my score is cross range confusion. I don't know. I I I'm I'm pretty uh, fairly warm on it. So take that for what it is. I I I did like the drama beats. Yep. Moving on, we have Kemurikusa. This one was streaming on Amazon, and that is Kemurikusa for those who cannot understand my broken Japanese pronunciation of a very long name. But yes, this one streamed on Amazon, ran for 12 episodes, was done by Yayorozu, who is, of course, the ones that worked on the season one of Kimono Friends, and, of course, directed by Tatsuki, who was, again, the guy who made Kimono Friends season one what it was. 
uh, of course, it's original based off of their their little group, and these genres are fantasy sci-fi. And for those that don't remember, we absolutely loved Kimono Friends. And for those that don't know, it was a huge hit back when it was in its first season. It was kind of this little phenomenon that had a big old huge following. And so we were really excited to see what Tatsuki was planning on doing with this new series. Uh, sad to see that it was on the same season that Kimono Friends Season 2 that they weren't involved with. Uh, I'm pretty sure we'll end up eventually finding out the the deets on which one actually got the better viewership in the end. <laughs> uh, do you think it was intentional? I don't know if you ever found out if it was intentional or not, <laughs> but it just really feels intentional. Um, but that's, 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 let's put that aside. Yeah. I, I guess to get the, the initial synopsis out of the way, it is a, is a show that initially follows uh, three girls. There's Rin, Rina and Ritsu. Well, technically Rina is multiple girls who have, was it Rinachi, Rinaji, Rinamu and Rinayo. And these three girls are technically copies of themselves. So <laughs> just bear with me. But it's, it's, we'll, we'll just call from now on those those copies of girls. We'll call them from now on Rina. So just keep that in mind. So Rin, Rina, and Ritsu. And these three girls seem to have different abilities. You have Rin who seems to be able to, she can see far away. She's very strong. Uh, you have Rina who can copy things. She has a really strong sense of taste. She wants to eat everything so she can copy them. And then you have uh, Ritsu, who is this girl who kind of always sits on this branch that they call Midori. And she's able to hear long distance and communicate to them from a distance. And control the branch. Yes, Midori, the the, the branch. Um, at some point, these three girls who are trying to find water, they're they're desperate to find water. They're constantly having to flee from these things they call bugs that are these little red creatures that attack them. Um, at some point, they end up running into this guy named Wakaba. And Wakaba is seems to be a human, and he doesn't know why he's there, doesn't know where he came from. He's terrified, and they think he's a bug, but the things they can do magic-wise can't harm him. And he's just frantically trying to figure out what's going on around him and is surprised at everything, basically. <laughs> and so you kind of follow these this group as they try to find water, as Wakaba tries to figure out what's going on in the world and discover new things. And it seems like this world they're in has multiple different islands. Different islands have different threats. They're currently on this one island that seems to have the least amount of threat, but no water. And so they're kind of forced to have to go to the other islands where there's more danger but there's water. And you kind of find out they have this uh, Kamenokusa who, within them, these little leaves, and they have to feed it water, otherwise they'll disappear. And so that's why they're desperate to find water, because they need a lot of it to stay alive. So yes, as with we'll, we'll get this out of the way, um, the animation. For those who don't know, Yaryoyoruzu is kind of a group of, was it four? animators well at least one of us kimono friends it was like four animators and they do cgi animation with characters when kimono friends came out first episode was like whoa like that was like <laughs> that was literally like the killer everybody stopped watching after episode one because it wasn't very well animated they have come a long long way i will not i won't say that they are fantastic now or anything but they have come a long way they're a lot better with character expressions, emotion coming out of these characters. They look a lot less stiff. There's a lot of scenes where they still kind of struggle and you kind of go, eh, yeah, that looks a little weird. Some of the action scenes feel very kind of drawn out artificially, very long punches that should have been quicker. 
Some they of the, still struggle. Some of the last fights looked yeah. horrid. I'm <laughs> well, sorry. Like, <laughs> but, like, the, the main point of the last fights were, like, that, that punch that took her literally, like, a minute to to punch she had to run and she was never getting closer it was it was like that whole thing from kung powers like chosen one i'm coming chosen one i'm coming he's like literally you're further away now what happened (laughs) um it was that whole scenario so i won't say that they are this is stellar animation or anything and but it is a lot better than most you would get from like small studios with cgi they're definitely doing they're definitely getting better and the thing that I enjoy most about it is that they're getting better with that more kind of cel-shaded animation look. They don't look like they're CGI models. They look like they're trying to put in this kind of tone to it to make it more cel-shaded looking. And that's that's something I really do appreciate. But the most most importantly, the character designs are a lot better. They're very unique. Uh, the facial expressions are getting a lot better. Uh, that smile, I'll just say that. I won't say when it was. <laughs> That smile uh, must protect. It is one of those shows where you kind of you come you're, when you're coming into it, you have to have a reason you're coming into it. And for us, it was because it was Tatsuki. We wanted to see what he was going to do next. Was Kimono Friends a one-hit wonder, or was he going to do something fast, fantastic going forward? We did get a taste of his kind of really cool storytelling with these little shorts they did, um, but it was really cool to kind of finally jump into a full length TV series again to see what he can really do. And to that effect, I will say that it is definitely Tatsuki. This is his flavor. He does seem it does seem like he has a, a strong sense of storytelling in uh kind of leaving this mystery throughout the entire thing. And he just jumped into it and went right into it again. And that's what I really do appreciate about him is hey he is it seems like he's all about building different worlds. And if he can continue doing that going forward, I would definitely love to see what he does next. Because I was full of intrigue throughout the entire series. I want to know what happened to this world. Why? Who are these girls? And why aren't they human-like when you have this human? Is he a Sekai in another world? Or is this his world post-apocalyptic? Uh, what is going on in this world? What are the bugs? Why are they attacking them? What are the leaves? Why do they have the leaves inside of them? Why are there leaves that are growing from the dory that are inside of them? Are they eating themselves? And all these different questions are kind of jumping up throughout the entire series. I want to get answers. What are the answers? And I guess it's the only kind of negative I would give this series is that it felt like it kind of went too long uh, to get to the the answers. Not to say that's a negative because I, I think there was a, a definitely a, a I, the entire time I was fully engaged. I wanted to know. I was I was waiting for that rock to get turned over to find out what's underneath it. Throughout the entire series, it just almost felt like. I don't know if it was in his intent, but it felt like most of the big, huge reveals happened all the very end. And they were great reveals, and I loved it, and it, it was intriguing, and it was very fascinating. But at the same time, it was like, should you have kind of sprinkled this a little more throughout the series and did less of the Wakaba running around saying, Sugoi, 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 and get to the point a little bit quicker? Or was it his intent to have more of that feeling of... of um, unknowns for a longer period of time truth be told wakaba is flat out freaking annoying <laughs> um let's just get that out of the way that but he is did my, turn out cool in the end th- he was cool towards the end but still man he's that that guy man talk about a negative in this show okay that aside well the, the sad thing is before we get past wakaba because i don't want to bring him back up again um i will admit and i said it in the first impressions it almost felt like they tried to it almost felt like Tatsuki banked on uh, the whole 
Serval and Caban thing from Kimono Friends because he's literally running around just like Serval did. And it's not it's not that I hate the fact that it's a boy now and not a girl. It's just a thing of like, dude, you did that already. Please don't do this again. You're doing it. And it worked with Kimono Friends because it was very like bubbly, even though there was this foreboding at issue there. This is a very grim and dark world. People are dying, uh, f- sisters are dying, and he's running around constantly. Zagoy, Zagoy, Zagoy. Did he say Tanoshi? I don't know if he said Tanoshi, but yeah, it was. He was. He was definitely that. For the majority of the show, he was that oh, one. Oh. That one. <laughs> that one major stain that the show had for me. It's it, it it's 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 odd because. I, I, I kind of agree with Andrea the way the, the way I see it was it felt like every episode was asking a new question and it but it never revealed any of those answers until the end and then suddenly it was like boom 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 boom, boom. everything was like it's like, all it's like at lo- one time it's like lost but actually answering things <laughs> and <end>. actually <laughs> and it, 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 it it's funny because the weaving that this guy did in this story was phenomenal it is definitely a show that i want to rewatch this is a show that deserves a well re-watch. even even the even the thing we i i remember the first episode of the second episode we were we were seeing that thing in the background of the when they were showing all the silhouettes and there was this big old crane looking thing in the back and we were like what the heck is that thing that's answered in the show and it's so awesome to have all these cool little tidbits um even even the the reveal of the of of where where the community kusa came from and what what are they actually where did the 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 mushi come from that all that stuff was really interesting and well done i do agree i i think that he's come a long way on the artistic side or i'm sorry the 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 animation side I can't wait to see what they do, especially if they they get themselves some budget and actually get themselves a team pulled together. You need, you need a team. I I, 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 I think that, th- that this group can do nothing but go up from here. And and I really, really, I think this is the studio to watch. Hopefully this did really well and gets nothing I'm hearing, but I'm hearing murmurs that it's, it's, it did well. So I, I'm I'm really excited about it. I, I can't wait to see what else they do. I really love the fact, like I said before when we were talking about it, this this is the story that I I think that he really wanted to 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 write when he was doing the kimono friends. Maybe they he had a a a, a breaking of interest where he wanted to do something and they didn't want him to do something and and th- so he just okay fine i'll do it myself and that's what this is and it it's just such a great story i loved it yeah i've heard i've heard whispers that it did well in japan sadly i don't think it's gonna do well in america just because amazon (laughs) but uh that's the only sad part about it if maybe it was on Crunchyroll or something like that it would have gotten more voice i hope that they heard at least from our end that it was it was exciting as well it was tanoshi sugoi uh No, I I think the one thing that I would give credit the most is, I, like I said, I believe that Tatsuki has this, this mind to himself that he likes to create new worlds, things that are outside the norm, um, original ideas that you're just not going to see anywhere else. And that's what gets me excited for maybe him doing more stuff in the future. Um, and I, I think that he's very clever in how he writes stuff in that it makes you, f- it makes you question what's constantly happening. And... The other side of it as well is 
not answering too much, not, you know, info dumping left and right. A lot of it's very visual and a lot of it's not explained. It's just kind of left there. And yeah, there's these logs and stuff that he's reading at some point, And that kind of gives you a little bit of, of kind of uh, pre thoughts on things. And again, that was kind of lends itself to possibly uh, rewatching it and stuff like that. But the, the key thing is really that in the end, a lot of it is left of interpretation. A lot of it is, yes, a lot of it's answer, but a lot of it's kind of, here it is, and you can kind of, on surface level, get an idea of what's happening, but you can also look into it more. And so it does kind of create that little fandom of people trying to dissect exactly what happened or exactly where they're at. Because not the entire picture isn't truly revealed. It doesn't explain everything everything as a whole and that's what i really do appreciate about him is is good storytellers will 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 allow that interpretation but not let it be uh seen as lazy because it's very easy to not explain things and it to look lazy and he truly did it, it truly seemed like he wanted to reveal what he wanted to reveal and leave certain things to to whatever you desire that you wanted to kind of draw conclusions on and i do appreciate that because it's fun to read people's theories on what's what's going on and to see what people point out that I may have missed. There was a certain lab coat that I completely missed at some point, And I was like, oh, cool. It was right there. Um, and that's, again, like I said, it leads itself to be a rewatch. Now, it's going to suck to rewatch it because, again, I don't think it's the most fantastic looking show. But I want to rewatch it to see if I can see if could he left imagine, breadcrumbs. Could you imagine if the studio blew, blows up and he's like... I want to I'm that. so redoing <laughs> that show. Yeah. That would be so awesome. But I, I do, it, but it does lead itself to want to rewatch it just to see if there's those little breadcrumbs. Did he, did he leave breadcrumbs? Did he show things early on like that he, you just didn't know what they were? He, it seemed like he really was good at, 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 at catching all the weaves. I, I, it's hard to think of anything that I went, I, I can think back and go, well, they never really explained this. No, I, I think every th- question I had during the entire series, which literally was like like I was saying earlier, it felt like every episode was a new question that I'm supposed to ask. And then at the end of all those questions, we get this big reveal. And every one of my questions was answered in some way. Yep. Yep, yep. So, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely check that one out if it sounds interesting to you. Definitely if you like shows that are... Seemingly post-apocalyptic, you know, ruins, uh, survival. It, it, I can't say that it was a very grim show, but it did have this this constant threat. I will just say that there there is a threat there, and that threat does reveal that that, that threat does allow itself to be in the forefront very often. So, if you're looking for something like that, has some intrigue, has a cooler reveal definitely check it out just yeah just keep in mind that they are a small studio and they hopefully will in the future will get better and have a bigger team i think it really is a team thing they just need more people and to be able to pull off what they're pulling off with the team that they're doing i give them a lot of credit but at the same time it's hard to excuse those kind of things fully like well the animation's bad well four people worked on it well then get more people (laughs) yeah i understand that so uh yeah kimurikusa Check it out if you, if any of that sounds interesting to you. And I look forward to seeing what uh, Tatsuki brings up next. So, yeah. All right, moving on. We have Boogie Pop and Others, or Boogie Pop Wa Wadawanai 2019. 
This one is streamed on Crunchyroll, ran for 18 episodes, and done by Studio Madhouse. The source is a light novel, and the genres are psychological mystery horror. Uh, the director that worked on this was Shingo Natsumi, who did directorial work for Akka 13, One Punch Man, and Space Dandy. And the series composition was done, and series composition and script was done by Tomohiro Suzuki, who did One Punch Man, Akka, <laughs> Double Decker, and Tiger and Bunny. Uh, this one takes place in modern time Japan. Uh, there is this rumor that goes around. There's this Shinigami named Boogie Pop that will basically murder people at the height of their beauty. And this rumor is kind of going around. At some point, uh, we have, I think in the earlier episodes, we have a guy named Takeda who ends up encountering this Boogie Pop who is basically possessing his girlfriend, uh, Toka Miyashita. And Boogie Pop basically informs him that the reason that she is here, or it is here, I don't think they really necessarily ever gender Boogie Pop, but the reason it is here is because it is basically a thing that keeps order. So if there is something that threatens mankind, devastating like, that is not normal, Boogie Pop arrives to basically destroy it. And so, of course, the big th question there is, in, well, why are you here? What is the threat <laughs> kind of thing? Uh, the earlier uh, scenario, they have this uh, thing they call a manticore who is going around and eating and taking the appearance of, you know, different students in the school. And so Boogie Pop is there to try to find that manticore. And so they have this whole scenario where Takeda is trying to get the idea of what Boogie Pop's after and what does Boogie Pop think of certain things about this world and why it does what it w does. And that kind of shifts from there to telling different stories throughout the entire series. Now, early on, they had a drop of like three episodes or something like that. And it jumped right into that first uh, scenario following their tracking down this manticore, uh, this being that showed up out of nowhere named Echoes or was named Echoes uh, by this girl named Nako. And how it was also in the same vein of what this manticore was. And so they're trying to find it and stop it from killing people. Uh, going on from there, they go into some other stories. One was, um, the scenario was called the versus imaginator where this being appears, uh, in the appearance of this girl that committed suicide, uh, calling itself the imaginator. And at the same time, you're following the story of Atsukai, who is a kind of a, a therapist that works in the school and he kind of has this awakening of ability that he can kind of find the roots within somebody and change them based off of how he alters these roots and almost get them to follow his lead. Later story, they get into this, um, this how was it, Toka organization? I was meaning to look it up beforehand. This organization that is kind of looking for people that have abilities or power that can possibly thwart what they're possibly in the future looking to do and it follows this guy named spooky e and he's using these different people to to kind of track down people with abilities and namely boogie pop um then we get into kind of a backstory of one of the main characters from the early segments named nagi kirima and that was a fantastic that was probably my favorite story overall um, because her backstory was was great kind of gets into the origin of boogie pop and then the last one was the King of Distortion, which I think was probably the, the only, the only arc that I did not like at all. Uh, well, there was there was points that it were were good, and I was still enjoying it. It was just not as good as the rest of the series, especially not off of the high that was uh, Kuroda's and Nagi's story. So, anyways, uh, 
what you're getting from this is basically that it is different stories told from different perspectives, four total arcs technically that all follow different characters in different episodes that all kind of lead to one conclusion. And that's kind of the fascinating storytelling that is in Boogie Pop. I don't remember if it was in the original animation adaptation, um, if it is just a staple of the light novel, but they just do really well in kind of weaving different perspectives that almost don't tell you the full story in the earlier segments of different perspectives. And eventually you get this other perspective that kind of weaves it all together. So you're getting point uh, viewpoint A that says... Here's the kind of middle point. Then viewpoint B says, well, here's the ending. Well, and then you get perspective A that says, well, here's how it all began and here's how it concluded. And the way they do that is just, I think, phenomenal. Now, what it kind of creates, of, of course, is that when you jump, jump into the show, you're going to go, what the hell is happening? Uh, but it's one of those things where, like, by the third episode, you go, oh, okay, all right, I, I see I see now everything. Everything is kind of revealed. And I think that it does that very masterfully because it it could easily be a cluster of nothingness. And I've seen shows, I don't recall the names of them, but there's, there's been shows in the past that it kind of does that and it doesn't work. And this show does it and does it in spades. It also excels in the fact that each of the character conflicts are really fantastic. They're dealing with basically physical threats, mental threats, kind of things left undone that end up getting involved within the situation that they're kind of dealing with. A big theme of, even though I did discredit the last arc, its big theme was almost like bringing in several characters to have things that are left undone and throwing them into like a room together to kind of force them to have to deal with the situation they've left, you know, undone in the past. Maybe because they had somebody they loved that died and they didn't get to say what they wanted to say. Or because situations they have an unrequited love, or stuff like that, is really kind of the theme of the last that last part of it. But yeah, the animation was great. It was done by Madhouse, really well done, visually directed, was fantastic. Um, loved every little scene. It is at times very horrific, so keep that in mind. It is technically a horror show. It is again similar to uh, the Promised Neverland, kind of a a pinnacle in doing that particular type of horror uh, suspense. It does it very well. I wouldn't say that it is it is as reliant on the suspense as something like ne- Promised Neverland, but there is points where it's kind of like, wow, something really bad could happen, but it was never really always at the forefront. So yeah, um, really loved it. Like I said, I, I, I'm sad that it ended with the King of the Sorcerer because it almost... Uh, it almost made me forget how much I enjoyed the first arc. <laughs> I had to actually go back and and kind of refresh myself because it is 18 episodes. Uh, it is almost technically two cores. Um, so I did have to go back and remind myself, oh yeah, that's right. There was the backstory of Boogie Pop and Kuroda and Nagi, that which was a fantastic uh, arc. There was, again, the Imaginator and Asakai and uh, how the Imaginator was, was uh, manipulating this other girl. That was all fantastic. Uh, Orihada and her struggles with, with Taniguchi, that was all great storytelling as well. The relationships that everybody has amidst this kind of chaos that's being thrown into their their daily lives that are supposed to be normal, that are almost supernatural, was really well done. Really enjoyed it. I, I, I thought it was a fantastic series. I am glad to see that it wasn't a flop because often when you see, oh crap, there was a show from way back then that I watched and they're redoing this stuff. I hope they don't screw it up. <laughs> Uh, but I think because it was Madhouse, had a great director, scriptwriter kind of mixed into there, 
Um, I was confident that they at least would do a good show and they ended up doing a, a really awesome show. So um, glad to see it back. Hopefully they will continue to do more of the source material. I'm not sure exactly how much they have a source material. I'm, I'm, I think a lot. Um, but it was cool to see it come back and um, done well. So really great. Definitely if you're looking for something that's kind of modern time, supernatural, uh, very, again, all over the place, but it, it weaves it back together uh, phenomenally. That's what Boogie Pop is, and definitely check it out if that sounds interesting to you. So, yes, that's that's Boogie Pop and others. Another another good show for the season. Uh, see here, next we have Mysteria Friends, or as the Japanese would actually put it, Minaria Friends. Which I'm not sure what's was difficult about Minaria Friends. I'm not sure what is is Minaria translated to Mysteria Friends. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Minario Tomodachi. Tomodachi. Dreaming on Crunchyroll ran for 10 episodes. They were about 15 minutes each. It was a short. Done by studio Psygame Pictures, which again is the... Psygames is the company that makes Rage of Bahamut. And this is kind of a... This is an event that they had with Rage of Bahamut that spun off a manga and some other stuff. And they decided to bring this event into an actual anime adaptation. And Psygame Pictures has kind of dabbled here and there with some stuff, but this is the first time they said, okay, we're going to do this ourselves. Uh, we're not going to let MAPPA do it again or something like that. And um, I think that they had the budget behind it, at least. That's a good thing. So again, like I said, the source is a game. It's Rage of Bahamut. And the genres are action, adventure, demons, supernatural, magic, fantasy. And because it's based off of Rage of Bahamut, it is within the universe of the Rage of Bahamut world, and it's kind of lore and creatures and races. Um, in this particular story of Mysteria Friends, we follow An, who is a princess of, of a kingdom, and Grea, who is also a princess of a kingdom, and they are in a an academy where different students come to train and whatnot. And like I said, we follow An and Grea, and they obviously have met each other at some point in this academy, and it seems like their little relationship is getting stronger and stronger throughout their days, just dealing with the daily happenings at the academy, like uh, mock training sessions and <laughs> Greya being ill with something <laughs> and uh, Greya allowing somebody in her dorm room when she won't let Anne in her dorm room and how much Anne wants to sleep over at Greya's place, but Greya doesn't want to do because then she'll see how she sleeps at night. And yeah, that's Mysterio Friends, basically, in a nutshell. Tag and girls being upset because they're afraid the other person disappeared and they didn't because they're playing Tag. Yeah, that's Mysterio Friends. So what's your thoughts on Mysterio Friends? Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be very, very clear. There is a separation between visuals and and animation. I just want to make this very clear. This show looks freaking gorgeous on the visual side. And I, outside of that, there's not much here. And, and I don't, you I don't say know. animation style too. I, I, every once in a while they did really good on the animation, but I don't want to give it because there was a lot of, um, mood points and it tried very very hard to keep um, because it, it did a lot of uh, spatial type sh shots it, it 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 had these vista uh, things going on it had but I ne I don't remember any moment where it was like 
wow, that was an amazing animation point. It, I don't think it really necessarily ne needed that. It just needed these really, really fantastic... I mean, I automatically think to to the point where she was uh, going through all kinds of things to get to the, that big recipe f that she didn't need at the end of the, the day to, to save Greya. Um, it, a lot of that, to me, didn't look all that great. But that's one of the first episodes, so I could be misremembering it. What I do know is that it has a lot of fantastic vista shots. It, it um, or it'll be in a room that highly detailed woodwork, or or extremely detailed um, library. Just fantastic looking shots. The character artwork looked really good. There's not much dialogue here. The 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 stories themselves, like Andrew was pointing out, are kind of cheesy and silly, which is fine for a cutesy type story. And that that's really what I think this is going for. But it just looks really good. And I want to give it credit for that. And don't go into this show expecting fantastic stories because you're not going to get fantastic stories. Not much dialogue here. The dialogue is pretty much on Greya, on Greya. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I, I think I would have to disagree on the animation again. You, like you said, you might miss me remembering. Uh, the reason why it stands out for me definitely. If you if you got nothing from my review of this series because it is a short and like Chris mentioned there really is nothing there dialogue or anything wise um, is it's visually yeah the style we've always mentioned before that Rage of Bahamut has fantastic character designs and every time that they decide to do adaptation it's like you want to jump at it just because of the the character designs they have but for me I think the the animation itself was fantastic as well because there's when I when I watch shows, it, it lately especially, there's the, I get a lot of sense of trying to watch for the detail in the character movement. When a character turns their head slightly, does the hair move and kind of get left behind briefly? When they're walking around, does their clothing kind of shift on their bodies, or is it just kind of like it's painted on? And this one definitely kind of has that 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 sense of everything is in motion and they have this lot of detail because when you have a show where basically 95% of the entire dialogue is on Greya, uh, you have to have something else there. And it, it does have a sense of closeness and sensuality between the character, if that's the right term. Like when they're, there's a certain scene where one of them is kind of pouty and the other one kind of sits down next to them and they have this little shot where it shows them kind of scoot over even though, yeah, most of the – when they do take breaks, it seems like they take those breaks with these beautiful vista shots and gorgeous building designs, bookshelves full of stuff. They're kind of constantly kind of shifting around and giving – it could be to give you a sense of, of, of atmosphere to get you into the room they're in. But, yeah, it can also be seen as them being lazy. But – I'm not. I, I'm forgiving of it just because whenever it does show the characters and they're moving around or they're showing side characters, there's a lot of liveliness to their bodies and their hair and and their outfits. Um, so if I can give it credit, it is that they did a fantastic job visually, and I would be glad I, to I, see them doing something in the future because they obviously are going to put the budget in. They gave Mappa a budget, and they did Rage of Bahamut. So I imagine that they probably gave Side Game Pictures a plenty of budget to make this very beautiful, because it was a popular, apparently it was a very popular event in the game, 
and that's why they decided to do this. And I would love them to see them do stuff in the future if they can possibly keep doing this type of budgeting. Um, sadly, I think if they do something that's outside of their company, they'll probably not. But I agree. There, there was a lot of attention to detail. I remember scenes where um, one of the one of the girls would uh, kind of lean down and her shirt kind of dropped down a little bit. It, it was very, very detailed in a lot of that stuff. So I'm not going to disagree with that. But, but then I, I think back to like the the volleyball tournament and it was like, okay, that just looks cheesy. So uh, take that for what it is. It is one of those things though, that when you have, like I said, when you have this short dialogue, it is obviously very Yuri. It is, it is very much showing this very close relationship between these two girls. And a lot of the emphasis is really shown by how close and how, uh, you know, very soft they are to each other. They they pull off really, really a cool. lot of cozy scenes, right? Very much. That's kind of really where like I'm going that. with, yeah. <laughs> and that that is definitely showing it. Um, but they do have their fun. There, there was definitely like the whole uh, spirit within the the uh, the library that got loosed in the first episode. Great animation there. Uh, the whole scene with Gray on showing up to to take down the big huge golem was really fantastical and awesome. Greya taking down the demon. They have their fun here and there, but yeah, it is it is still a short, and there's still kind of little concessions they will make to you know not going too crazy. So, but I think overall it was a it was a okay show. Like there is nothing here that I can say go after this unless you're just looking for a very basic, not really going all the way, very cozy Yuri type show that with has very, a very very art beautiful, beautiful art. scenes <laughs> yeah very beautiful art very beautiful architecture it is definitely one of those ones that kind of gets you in the mood of like oh i wish i can you know just start drawing and i want to draw stuff like this <laughs> <laughs> it does have that sense to it so yeah i, I guess i'll just leave it at that it is it is a very a very beautiful semi yuri show about on and greya on greya on yeah. Mystery Friends. Check it out if that sounds interesting to you. They had a lot of fun comedy into it too. That was that was a lot of funny moments. It was it. Funny. I was I was very it what's cool is it's also one of those shows, it's weirdly kind of laid out. They have like the the main animation, the main story that happens. And then they do this kind of it almost feels like the show the episode's done. And they'll have like these really cool little. It's almost like they they took concept or they they took different scenes from their like storyboard layout and say, well, let's look at this particular scene right here from a different angle. Yeah. And they'll show like they'll often most cases they'll show Owen who's like off in the distance watching the two girls because Owen's watching the princess. But but, it, but it they, reveals they were, a lot of them were really fun yeah. and they reveal all the sides. It reveals some really interesting tidbits about that particular scene and it's really kind of actually one of the cooler aspects of the yeah, entire it's like show. A, it's an outro that you want to watch. And they also like after that then they f- they have like sometimes this really goofy, you know, aftermath or maybe a side cause. Uh, like, namely, one of them, there was there was this little spat between Anne and Greya. And so Hana, who is, like, the, the student council president, she's, like, banding everybody together because, like, these are two princesses. They're having an issue. This literally could cause a war. We have to stop them. <laughs> and so the entire time we're going, yeah, it's not going to be that bad kind of thing. Uh, the scene with Hana singing at the performance, that was amazing as well. Um, really cool little stage performance they did. Uh, again, kind of goes back to that 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 effort of detail they put into it, you don't often see like a vocal performance was 
very beautiful, by the way, um, but also had the character singing, you know, her mouth actually moving to the song, not just like back headshots or just like stills of her with her mouth open. Um, they did that beautifully. It was another fantastic sign of them kind of perfectly syncing in this very beautiful voice to the entire thing. So, yeah, that's that's mysterious. Now we're done. It was only 10 episodes, 15 minutes, not very long. Check it out if you any of that sounds interesting to you. Moving on, we have another short, which is How Clumsy You Are, Miss Ueno, or Ueno-san wa Bokio. This one streamed on Crunchyroll and High Dive, ran for 12 episodes. They were 12 minutes each, done by Studio Le Spirit, or Le Sprit. The sources of manga, the genres are comedy, romance, shonen, or seinen, sorry. Uh, and this one takes place in a junior high science club, where Ueno, this girl, is very interested in another club member, Tanaka. And there's this poor third wheel, Yamashita, who is constantly, uh, doesn't understand why the hell these people can't just talk. <laughs> and every episode, Ueno basically reveals, I have this new secret thing I developed, and it's amazing. And Tanaka, you're going to test it. And it usually involves her, basically the whole thing is to do, to, to reveal something or reveal some kind of tech that will force Tanaka to do something lewd to her. And that's basically the premise. Like, it literally should be called How Thirsty You Are, Miss Ueno. But instead, it's clumsy because she really sucks at it. So, uh, she's a mess. She's a very hot mess. Did she, we mention last time that she's she terrible. was a mess? <laughs> I don't know. I think we did. But she I don't think that we got uh, the point across last time of how much of a mess this girl is. And I don't think after we do our complete review of this show, we will adequately cover how much of a mess this girl is. Right. Yeah. So that's basically the gist of it. It is a comedy that's centered around basically Miss Ueno or Ueno trying to do something to force Tanaka to do and so in that regard, yes, uh, the kind of warning that you can throw on this thing is that it's kind of in that area of, like, innocent perviness. Like, these characters are doing, like, the most, you know, basic, uh, juvenile, pervy thing to get attention from somebody else. And doing that terribly, because Tanaka is very dense. He's a... Uh, like bricks. Hey, I he's, need you to look up my skirt. <laughs> I need you to look up my skirt. He's actually Why? pretty cool. Yeah. Well, he's not a dirtbag, so that's always a good thing. <laughs> he is. He's a. He's a good person. Uh, he just doesn't realize that this girl literally wants you badly, and you either need to give her an idea that you are not interested, or you need to, you know, reciprocate or something like that because she, she, she's going to go nuts and kill somebody. Um, <laughs> something like that. She literally built a robot for you, dude. She built a robot. And the robots did a better job than she did, which I'm going to point that out. Yeah, this is one of those kind of comedies that you, you hate to admit that you really liked it because it does technically have, like, that big warning on it that it's like, you know, junior high school club kids obsessed with panties and upskirting herself and that's the whole joke every single time is can she force him to do something pervy to him an entire episode where she says that she has a a train molestation tracking or uh, alert device 
and trying to get him to grab her butt in a train setting. I'm doing the air quotes um, that she designed just to simulate it because she wants him to grab her bum. That is the effort that we're going with here. Um, and it's always funny. I I was very much so and entertained the entire show. There wasn't really not a skit that I did not get a laugh out of because she's a hot mess and her reactions <laughs> to when he actually does do something that she's trying to force him to. It's like the road. It's like the Wally Coyote and Roadrunner. It's like what happens when Wally Coyote finally catches the Roadrunner? She doesn't know what to do now. <laughs> she's like, I got it. He's holding my hand like I want him to. And now I'm blowing up. And then I run away with my pigtails destroying the walls around me because, yeah, she's so embarrassed. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I I I'm okay with the character designs. It's very unique. Uh, it's very kind of fun. It's almost like almost chibi, but it's not really chibi. And it was really well done, and I, I appreciated that. Uh, very basic animations. Um, but yeah, it, it, like I said, it does technically have a lot of situations that are very pervy like the namely like the whole thing where anything that's you know under the belt is there's this device that makes it all super spacey looking and how she's literally you know lifting her skirt at him all the time and stuff like that so and the and the, <laughs> he tries to figure out well what is tra- this <laughs> yeah yeah poke through it <laughs> and the the track suit that absorbs sweat and how she feeds it to Oeno and it's almost <laughs> like a mother nursing a child so i guess it gets pervy so this show is absolutely crazy tennis, i love the it tennis girl and her <laughs> they're not panties I, I I love this show. I I love the con. I when the concept was finally you get you get the idea of the the concept and how it's it it fits into the entire thing. You're like, oh my gosh! You just have to see what this this girl can get into the next time. It is just absolutely crazy, and it just gets more and more absurd or uh, just crazy. Just I loved it. it. It was a great show. I had too much fun watching this show. That's uh how clumsy you are, Miss Ueno. Definitely a, a fun little juvenile, pervy comedy show that's a hot mess. Check that out if that sounds interesting to you. Moving on, we have our final one, which is Run With The Wind. This one is a two-course series that finally ended this season. Uh, name is Kaze Ga Suyoku Fuitiru. Fuitiru, I think. Straight on Crunchyroll. And strength, uh, ran for 23 episodes done by studio production IG the source is a novel and the genres are drama sports and this one has the musical director was Yuki Hayashi who did Welcome to the Ballroom Blood Lad My Hero Academia Death Parade Haiku Gundam Build Fighters and Kiznaiver so he's a, a really awesome musician uh, we also had director Kazuya Nomura, who did Joker Game, Robotic Notes, and Tokyo Magnitude 8.0 Episode 11. And for anybody that has actually watched Tokyo Magnitude 8.0, knows that, that was a very important episode. I do. Frieder was uh, Shion Miura, who did The Great Passage. And yeah, this one was the one that like just came fresh out of the whole Welcome to Ballroom kind of finally... People finally, you know, forgetting about Welcome to the Ballroom and then suddenly here this one pops up and you're like, wait, is this the same creator or something like that? So there was a, it was definitely a feeling like there was, it was riding on that. But be, and I think that was mostly because of the art style and the music 
it make you it made you feel like this was another walk in the ballroom. I jumped into it mainly because of that. I did have a lot of things that I loved about Welcome to the Ballroom. I wasn't completely sold by the entire thing. I was hoping that they would leave the bird necks out of it, and they definitely did that. Or <laughs> bird faces. I was afraid of seeing that returning, but that did not return, thankfully. Uh, this one follows a guy named Kakaru, who at the very beginning is shoplifting. And a guy named Haiji uh, races after him on his bike and says, Hey, you like riding? You like riding? <laughs> And that was kind of an odd introduction, but basically Haiji helps Kakaru apologize to the shop owner and welcomes him into his little apartment, which is the Chikusei So apartment. And uh, they come into there, he gives him a place to stay, and at some point he goes, okay, finally we have our last runner. And everybody's like, what are you talking about? Well, come to find out, this guy Haiji is basically trying, was trying to get all these people to join this apartment in hopes to eventually revealing that, oh, by the way, this is uh, part of a club, and it's part of a running club, and you're all going to be a part of it, or you have to leave. And so it basically forces all these people that are not necessarily runners to have to get into the sport of running. Otherwise, you know, you, you lose your meal ticket, you lose your place to stay, find somewhere else to stay kind of thing. And so, yeah, the, the, most of them are pretty much reluctant to that idea. They don't want to run, or they're not fit to run. A lot of them aren't fit to run, but Haiji kind of pushes them all and kind of gets them going. And with Kakeru there, who is basically that's all he did was run, who does not want to run with other people. They kind of have this idea of what to do. They have knowledge of it, at least. But the hopes is to eventually, before the end of the, the particular year, is to join the Hakone Ikiden Marathon which is a very long marathon. And so the thought of actually pulling that off is pretty daunting. Pretty much the very beginning part of it is Kakaru saying, dude, Haiji, you're crazy. These people cannot do this. These people physically cannot do this. Um, but Haiji does not want to listen to it. He is determined to to join this marathon and get it done. Uh, so yeah, we have, like I said, Kakaru, who is this guy that's been running for a long time. He's very fit. He's an excellent runner. He is fast as hell. You have Haiji, who you quickly realize has some sort of injury, and he's trying to get over that. Um, he's trying to get back into uh, to running. Uh, you have Musa, who is an African-American, who is very much has a heart on his sleeve. He's a very caring type person. Akihiro, who is kind of a, an ex... who was technically smoking for most of the entire show, but not very fit. He, I think he is a coder. Uh, you have y Yukihiro Hiko. I don't remember really much about him. I know the synopsis that they have for him is that he is very brash and insulting, but he's also very kind and 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 supporting, which I do remember those aspects, but I sadly don't remember much of his story. You have the two twins, uh, Jotaru and Juji, who are ex-soccer players, and they got roped, again, roped into running rather than doing soccer that they want to do. Uh, Akane, who is... They call him Prince, and he is an absolute manga, light novel reader, and lazy as hell. Like, you think he's going to die every time he runs. Guy they called King, who is constantly worried about his future and wanting to work and get a job. And then you have Shindo, who is kind of a guy that he seems like a wimp, and he's from, like, an outskirts town. But he has this desire to kind of show his family that he's doing well kind of thing. And, of course, you have Hanako, who is the flower of the show. You have to have one female character to be the flower of the show. <laughs> and she's basically works at a local shop or 
helps her father at a local shop and oh she does things them. other than drive ride around on her bike yeah she supports him she's a she's a very strong supporter of the show <laughs> don't be dissing on her but she is a flower so yeah you basically have this cast of of 10 guys within this dorm that are all trying to get fit trying to beat their records get get better at running overcome their struggles they're having in their lives at the same time of of being pulled through this um I guess the main reason that makes Run with the Wind kind of the the show you want to keep watching is it is through and through an underdog story. There's no mistaking that whatsoever. When you first see that first episode and you're like, wait, Akane is going to run. Wait, <laughs> this guy's smoking. He's going to run. Wait, wait, these guys don't even care to do this and they're going to run. It is, it's through and through written, this is going to be an underdog story. And it does that in spades. It is a show that you want to see these guys succeed. Uh, there's so many points where they're struggling physically, emotionally, and you are rooting with them. You want them to succeed. I will say it took a long time for me to get uh, into certain ones like Akane uh, or The Prince. He was a character that was like, Oh my gosh, are you really going to do this with him? Are you really going to make me believe that you're going to actually turn this around? At least teach the guy how to have correct form when you're running. Like, that is, I, I don't do running, but I know that when I was in school and we did running, the first thing, you know, the, the, the coach guy would tell you is you're not running right. Like, that's the first thing you get established is your stance because you can't breathe properly unless you have proper stance. So it's like, why does not anybody show this guy how to run properly? Um, and there was a couple of characters that were like that, but that's just a, that's just a, my outside looking in perspective, I guess. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed the emotional beats throughout the story. I will say the only struggle I had for the story for the, uh, and it was only present in the, I think it was a later first core, was that there was this kind of point in which it felt like it was chasing its tail. Like, it it had this perspective of, which was a really cool perspective they, they, they tackled, was a perspective of, like, you really shouldn't be doing these with these people. They can't do it. They will never beat the record times. They're never going to be number one. Why do you even bother? And there's that whole perspective of, like, wait. So you're saying unless you're number one, you shouldn't bother at all, like or what? What are you just what, what? Basically, calling out gatekeeping. Like you can't say that these people are not allowed to try. Like just because they don't succeed does not mean they cannot try. And it felt like it was it did that a little bit too much the very uh, later first half. And I was at a certain point, I was like, please, you need to you need to move forward. And it did. Yeah, that was that that was kind of one of my biggest turnoffs in the first few episodes was that that particular character and it constantly did, pointing it out. Yeah, and it did need it did need to suss that out. Like that was literally something it had to acknowledge and something it had to address. But it kind of put that to the side burner and then kind of brought it up in that second half. And like I said, it 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 resolved it and it was a beautiful way that they kind of resolved it. It was a it was a fantastic kind of like look in the mirror kind of thing. But yeah, putting that, that was probably my only major negative because once it got past that, it just ramped up in the second uh, the second core. I was fully invested in it. I loved the characters, every single one of them. It hit on certain things that I didn't really think it was going to hit on. Like, I guess the elephant in the room is this guy who is African-American in a, you know, primarily Japanese group of people. What does other people see about that? Because, I mean, no joke here, uh, African-Americans are fantastic runners, so... 
what does what do people see that like are are you looked down upon for having obviously somebody who is of a race that is physically f- more fit to run and run very well they often point that out and they actually address it and they did it very respectively and i really appreciated that and muso is a, is a fantastic character to kind of put in there because he is he does have that going for him but he's not he hasn't been running for his entire life so it's not like he's just a Boom! He's done. He's 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 you know taking the front of the the, the pack, and a lot of the, like I said, a lot of the other side characters. It took a while for me to really grow onto Akane, but he had an excellent. Last, I would say like the entire uh, marathon and the last segments of it were was just an emotional roller coaster, and I was just constantly just you know at the edge of my seat, like rooting for each one of these characters to kind of push through the scenario. I think the only letdown was probably King in that later part. It didn't really feel like they did anything with him. One of the 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 brothers didn't really the twins didn't really do any much with their character. Uh, but each one of them had like this very compelling emotional drive that they had that was was pushing them forward through the entire tournament. So it is also one of those cool ones where like like I guess a lot of really good sports shows the main thing that kind of pushes it is having adversaries rivals that actually really work out kazuma was a fantastic rival to kakeru a lot of respect between the two of them rivalry with with what they do with their bodies and and basically in a sense uh cheering each other on because they are rivals kusuke was a character that i hated early on but then when they finally get revealed the backstory of kakeru and him it was one of those things of like Okay, yeah, now I know why he hates you. <laughs> so I'm perfectly fine with why he hates you. Uh, it was a really cool backstory, and it you wanted to be right there with him, and so you've seen both sides of it. It was it was a backstory that something bad happened, but you see why both sides is hates the situation and, and may hate the other person. Um, so it was a it was a not like a profound backstory, but it was one that you're like, okay, I can see that happening, and I don't really have a beef with either one of them for doing what they did. But it gives it gives credit to why things are the way they are now, and it was it was it was a solid little backstory, even though like I said, it wasn't extremely deep. So yeah, just a, a really fantastic cast of characters that just have their own emotional drives. Very cool little underdog story. It is one of those ones that makes you want to get out there and start running, even though I'm terrified of running because I hate the whole aspect of tearing up your knees. <laughs> but if I if I did, I would definitely do it because of this one. Um, but it was it was a cool little ride while it lasted and. Um, I would hope to see more of it, but um, it was it was a solid enough conclusion. It was no, there was no. I didn't feel like I needed more in the end. It, it had a really cool little minor jump forward at the very end to give you a little bit of closure where the characters are going going forward. And I could I could easily see uh, having this kind of conclude here and be done with it and be perfectly fine. So it was a cool little little sports story, great little uh, group of characters, their little struggles, and um, their their fight to to getting somewhere. It's just a, a lot of themes of overcoming things, you know, not, not looking down upon others because they're not as fit as you, not, you know, gatekeeping, like I said before. That was a huge theme of it. And um, each person struggle with if they want to do something if they're not. So it was, it was a really cool little, cool little series. Probably could do with, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was good in two core. I, I think it, it had to be two core. Yeah, it was, it was good two core. Yeah. Didn't feel too long. Yeah. 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 Even though I, it I, I got a couple more episodes in, but I didn't, I didn't get caught up. There was no way I was going to get 20. He's like, I'm not watching in. 20 episodes just for Hanako. <laughs> She's not in enough. She of was them. barely, she was barely present in the first few episodes. So <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Kosuke, I, I met Kosuke though. 
yeah, he's he was a he was a dirt bag, but like I said, they they explain him. That's cool. I'll probably just get a rundown from you. Yeah, we'll we'll do, we can do that. Um, but yeah, let's run with the win. Or Kaze ga Suyoku. Get it, get it, rundown, get it, rundown. <laughs> a rundown with the win. Yeah. So that's uh that's the first part of our. Again, I'm hoping three parts. Should be three parts of our winter 2019 anime season reviews. Definitely check out our other ones as they come out next in the following weeks. And we thank you all for listening. Do you have anything else to add? No. Solid, solid lineup. Even though you was was the the four you watched, they were solid. Oh, was I? Yeah, just I four. was helpful. No, I'm saying you you think they were solid. Oh, and well, yeah, I I, I thought I thought that the the I enjoyed you you know um, Minaria I thought was beautiful. Uh, Kimurikusa was pretty awesome, and Domestic Girlfriend I really liked. So try to remind me because I want to going forward. On our final episode of the reviews, I want to make sure to kind of lay out what shows we thought our favorite were. Okay. That way, when it comes to time to next, do our yeah, year-end podcast, <laughs> it'll be a lot easier to get an idea of what we really enjoy and what we can, you know, not forget. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, again, that's for first part of our three. So parts is is, is Run with the Wind the only one that you think that I need to actually do have to watch? Um, if, if all these that I think you should watch, I know you really kind of want me to watch Neverland. I, I, I get the impression that you really want me to. Neverland's fantastic, but I also think that if you can get around the sorrow within Price of Smiles, you'll probably love Yuki. So I don't know. I, I really don't know. No, I don't think you'll like Run With The Wind because it's too boisey. You need some cutesy in there. I tried. I, 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 you, you, you really kind of implied that there was some really solid drama beats towards the end. So, yeah, that's what I was kind of shooting for. But I, like I said, just wasn't working out. This was a bad week for me. Yeah, probably be bad following weeks for us. <laughs> we'll see how many we can get caught up on. Uh, but yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed this rundown of reviews for the winter 2019 season, anime season. And again, we're at TalkySpare.com. You can go there for anime new and old. Great community informing stops. Social media links on the right side. And all that good stuff. Get in contact us with on Twitter or other social medias to let us know what you think about these particular episodes or these particular shows. Not episodes. Oh, episodes of shows. <laughs> or if you even watched Kimakusa. I want to know I want to know how many people actually watch Kimakusa. But yes, that's uh that's it. And we hope you all enjoyed and y'all take care. Oh, I just live by my